and welcome to Giant Mess, a sloppy sports and entertainment talk show. It covers a little bit of everything, from the New York football giants to the New York baseball Mets, movie reviews, TV show recaps and reactions, and a whole bunch of life stories with life lessons that'll make you go. Mm-hmm. Hosted by a giant mess, that's me, the real Cinch Neil Lynch. I'm an Irish Italian American who graduated from a Catholic high school but isn't Catholic. Then I earned a couple of overpriced degrees from an overpriced university that's known for producing doctors and lacrosse players. And spoiler alert, I didn't become either of those things. Instead, I like to tell stories. Those stories are have one purpose: to get you to chuckle and giggle and laugh. And if they don't, my apologies. Uh, I will issue you a refund. So that's cool. You can leave a voicemail: eight six two two four eight nineteen eighty six. If you're feeling down, you're feeling angry, you have a lot of emotions running through that body of yours, through that head of yours, why don't you pick up the phone and dial that number and say whatever you want. No judgments, okay? Just like Crunch, the fitness center that had um, a fair amount of homosexual activity in the shower area. No judgment, okay? You can also subscribe to Giant Mess on YouTube, youtube.com slash... Real Cinch, Neil Lynch, or Giant Mess. One of those three should work. And go to the blog, neillynch.com. It is, it looks like it's straight out of the 80s, y'all. So that's perfect. Perfect. And uh, I'm, on, I'm on the socials, dude. Real Cinch on Instagram and Twitter. I don't know what to make of social media anymore. I'm at a loss for words. It's just lowest of the low. But yet I can't quit it. Ah, goddamn, broke back mountain. I can't quit you. Uh, Facebook.com slash Giant Mess. Facebook is a cesspool. Y'all know that. I mean, Twitter's a cesspool. <laughs> it's all a cesspool. <laughs> what are we doing? And uh, make sure you subscribe to, to this here pod on uh, Apple, Spotify, or my new fave, Amazon Music. You can watch the video podcast on Spotify. On this episode of Giant Mess, we're going to talk about the Giants' big-time win over the Houston Texans. A must-win. Every game is a must-win. But this was a trap game, just like last few games have been trap games and we escaped with a dub wasn't pretty but that's just who we are and that's why i love my giants because they're not pretty they're ugly job done we'll also talk about some news and notes from giants land saquon barkley's contract extension xavier mckinney's freak hand injury and julian love's contract extension the uh, signing isaiah hodgins from the Bills. We'll also look at the ESPN Football Power Index and 538's projections and predictions. I haven't really dabbled in either of those things, and I thought, you know, we look at playoffstatus.com, it's time to look at ESPN's FBI and 538's uh, ELO rating, whatever the frig that is. And then we'll preview the upcoming game against the Detroit Lions. Is it going to be a shootout? Is it going to be a barn burner? We'll get into that. So with that, let us begin. I wasn't able to preview the Texans game last week. A lot of shit going on, and I wasn't able to get around to it. But the keys coming into the game were pretty simple. Run the ball. Run the damn ball. This Texans squad stinks against the run, so let's take advantage of that. Let's ground, and let's pound, baby. And we did that. We did that big time. (laughs) Saquon with like 35, 36 carries for 150-some-odd yards and touch. And uh, Daniel Jones only throwing the ball 17 times. And uh, that had a lot of people up in arms. But I personally don't mind this. You know, people are comparing this to, to a, it was like a Bill Parcelsian win, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Maybe not the flashiest, maybe not the most exciting. 
But we did get a huge explosive play from Darius Slayton. And we, you know, DJ had two touchdowns throwing the ball. He's efficient. I'm a quality guy, not a quantity guy. You want to watch a team that throws the ball 40 plus times a game and throws for over 300 yards every game and throws maybe three touchdowns, but also two or three interceptions and loses, you can be a Lions fan. (laughs) And you can follow them as they go. What are they, three and six? So I'll take my seven and two. I'll take uh, efficiency all damn day long. Red zone efficiency. Get into the red zone, and when you get in the red zone, you score. It's that simple. So I'll take that all day, every day. No, we're not the Chiefs. No, we're not the Bills. We're the Giants. And I like that. I like that we're... We have our own identity and we have over the course of the first half of the season have created a pretty strong brand identity. (laughs) It's like we're going to run the ball. We're going to play good defense. And like that's been the formula for winning championships more mostly of yesteryear. You don't see it a lot now because everyone says it's a passing league. But I mean, if everyone's playing the pass and we can run the damn ball and run it with success, then I'm all for it. Now, there are some current concerns. What happens when they continue to stack the box and we are forced to throw the ball? you know, 30 plus times a game. We haven't been in that situation as of yet. I think Dable was asked about that. And he said, uh, you know, what happens if you do have to throw the ball 35 times? And he's just like, I don't know. Because <laughs> that's not the game plan, Hoss. The game plan is we execute on the run. And uh, I mean, you could see what happened when the run does get shut down, like in Seattle, where uh, Barkley's only running for something like 50 some odd yards. And we are forced to throw the ball. Not exactly what what um, the formula for success for us. So uh, the bye week came and went. And uh, of course, we had to have some kind of news story come out uh, during the bye week. Couldn't be quiet. Just couldn't go by quiet. Just passing the night nice and quiet. Nope. Uh, Xavier McKinney went to Cabo someplace. Went on an ATV, some sightseeing tour and crashed. and. <laughs> fractured his fingers or broke his hand or some bullshit. And now he's out for at least four weeks and probably uh, there's some speculation that he's going to be out for the rest of the season. You just, I'm, I know this has been discussed to death, but I'll quickly say this. What are you doing, dude? <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, what are you doing? Just relax. Like, I just, I understand accidents can happen anywhere. I mean, there've been plenty of stories about like, dude falls in the shower, an athlete. Falling in the shower. It happens. You know, someone's cutting limes and they slice a finger. Like, it's just accidents happen. I get it. But, like, you're increasing your chances of something bad happening when you get on an ATV, especially if you're not a trained rider. You know, they're dangerous. I actually, when I was working at Donut Media, we did a whole profile on the world's most dangerous vehicle. It was a Honda trike, I think, tricycle type, a three, three-wheel motorcycle type thing. And, uh, yeah, if you don't know how to ride it and you're riding recklessly, it's uh it's you know doomsday it's the for whom the bell tolls right you're going to you're going to get you're going to get injured so uh you know and i think the players and the coaches all came and supported him they all didn't want to pile on him but as a fan it's like what the fudge dude what the fuck we actually have a good team we're winning you're you're playing great pro bowl type season for x-man and then to go and do that it's like well all right yeah you know and he was all pissed facing all the questions but it's like dude those are the those are the questions that have to be asked what the hell are you doing on an atv why are you in a site why 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 that's what the people want to know because they're they're pissed and like I'm, i'm sure the players and coaches they put on a good face and they showed support which is great 
And I think that speaks to what kind of guy Xavier is. You know, he's well-liked in the clubhouse, and I think that's awesome. Just can't, just can't do it, dude. Especially, I mean, like, what a, what a time to be out when we're heading into, like, the gates of hell. You know, murderers row, all these divisional games, conference games that are so crucial. And we're just not going to have our best safety. Although I think Julian Love would like a word. So I, I just, ugh. Shades of uh, JPP, shades of the boat trip. It's just all those swirling around in my head, like all these awful incidents that usually do not spell out a fortuitous conclusion to the season. But we got past it. Dane Belton and Jason Pinnock, they stepped up and they they balled out. Belton had the pick. Pinnock had like a one and a half sacks or something like that. So that was good to see. Julian Love got a contract extension. I mean, talk about a, a tremendous story for the New York Giants this season. Uh, in a season full of stories. I mean, Saquon Barkley, comeback player of the year, possibly DJ, um, his QBR being in the top five, top 10. And him possibly getting a contract extension. Barkley, t- you know, the talks with him over the bye week, trying to get the contract done, extension done. You know, Dexter Lawrence emerging as an all-pro. Leonard Williams proving that he's worth, you know, he was worth the trade and the, the big contract. Julian Love is an incredible story. I, I, like, out of all that, I think, you know, get it be, becoming a captain after, like, just the shit up not seeing the field when healthy. What the fuck? And so maybe he is a system guy and maybe he, you know, in other systems is not even starter worthy, but in, in Don Martindale's system, he is a captain and he is leading this team to victory on defense. So he, he got the green dot, which means he was the signal caller uh, on the defensive side of the ball, calling the shots and uh, he rotated with Dane Belton in the single high look, but he, uh, at least in the first quarter, first half, and then he ended up, you know, playing the deep man for the rest of the game and you know sure we give up a lot of yards but the difference between our martindale's defense and patrick graham's defense is we give up a lot of yards but not on our side of the field i feel like that's and if we do it's it's a matter of tightening up and enforcing turnovers dude i mean that's the big difference that i see between martindale and graham's defense is like maybe we do give up a big chunk plays here and there especially in the second half. But when it comes down to it, Leonard Williams with a forced fumble inside the 10 or inside the 20 that took away points, at least three points, possibly seven, when a huge fumble recovery. And then uh, Dexter Lawrence getting pressure on Mills and forcing him to throw into traffic and and Dane Belton getting the the huge pick also with taking away a scoring opportunity. So that's a minimum six to 14 points you're looking at. And that's, essentially the difference in the game when it comes down to it so i'm very happy for julian love he just it's like i would love to see him be a lifelong giant i think uh he's only like 24 dude which i don't i don't can't that math does not add up for me like it was just like i guess he was 20 his rookie year uh 2019 20 so yeah he was like 20 <laughs> his uh his freshman year his uh his first year with the club. So, you know, I, uh, very happy for him and, uh, sucks for McKinney, but it's like, this is kind of a, uh, you know, we're, we're approaching holiday season where, you know, uh, that new movie spirited is coming out with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, which is like the, you know, the rehashing kind of, I guess, Scrooge and the Christmas Carol, whatever, where it's the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas future has visited Xavier McKinney. And he has said 
hey, this is your life when you are gone. Julian Love is calling signals as the captain. Dane Belton, Justin Pinnock are filling in and filling in admirably. And uh, you're not that sorely missed. And so, like, I feel like this is a rallying cry, rallying call for, for McKinney. He's going to see that the team is performing without him. And he, he's going to be itching, scratching to get back on that field and to make an impact. And so I think he's going to come back with a vengeance. And he could be the difference maker down the stretch. It just sucks. It's, it might not be in the regular season. <laughs> you know, initial estimates were four weeks, which means he's gone for the, he was gone for Houston, he's gone for Detroit, and he's gone for, definitely for Dallas. And then possibly, I think that next game is either Washington or Philly. Probably Washington, I think. This goes Washington, Philly, Washington. Yeah. So, I mean, to not get him back for the regular season, that's a huge blow. And uh, hopefully he doesn't come back to bite us. But that's uh, not a great omen. You know, not a great sign. Everything was kind of clicking up to that point for me. It was like, all right, you know, everything's kind of falling in line. The chips are are lining up and it looks like we're, this is just kind of our season. And then for that to happen, it was like a major setback. But the team overcame it, you know. A lot of people want us to blow out the Texans. I get it, dude. But I just, uh, I'll take the win. You know, I, I missed the first half, managed to get to a sports bar to catch the second half of the game. And then I watched the second half of the game and I'm like, this is, this is great. I mean, I was surprised to see, you know, I tuned in right after Slayton's long touchdown. I was like, 14-3, okay. You know, we're taking care of business. It's not, you know, we're not up by three scores or four scores like a lot of people had hoped. But I mean, this Texans team, I said it before, they play teams tough. Same with the Jaguars. I mean, Damian Pierce is a force. I think, uh, was it Martindale called him the angriest runner in the league? They took, they stuck it to the Eagles. You know, I don't think the Eagles were expecting that much of a fight. And they took them pretty deep. I mean, you look at, like, what they've done over the course of the season. Tied the Colts in overtime. And I know the Colts aren't, aren't that great this year, but tied them in overtime. Lost by a touchdown to the Broncos, which the Broncos have a, an incredible defense, no offense. So they played, you know, and every Broncos game has been close. They just lose to the Bears by three. You know, they get... They get kind of blown out by the Chargers. They they beat the Jaguars. They get blown out by the Raiders, which is crazy to think about, considering where the Raiders are right now. Um, lose only by seven by the to the Titans. The Titans have won like something like six in a row or something like that, leading up to their the Chiefs game where they lost. And then they battled they battled the Eagles. I mean that final score doesn't really reflect it, but they battled the Eagles. So tough defense. I mean you saw their pass rush is pretty good i mean we only had like what 17 dropbacks or 20 dropbacks or something like that and they had three sacks or more i'm 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 fine with the win you know i don't care if we win every game by one point it's that's all that matters is winning <laughs> you know i mean al davis was kind of on to something just win baby and if this is how we win then so be it you're gonna you're we're gonna play it close and we're not gonna make the mistakes and you are and that's that other news from the from the bye week and after right after the Texans game, cornerback Aaron Robinson is likely to miss the remainder of the season because of knee injury he suffered last month. That sucks. Uh, as much shit as I gave a Rob would be a nice depth piece. I don't think he's our starting cornerback. I think Fabian Moreau has really proved himself in the system, but it would it would be nice, you know, because I think we are still a tad thin. Like if Moreau or Adoree go down, he, I guess Nick McLeod filled in fairly well. So Nick McLeod has been a, a 
a really key addition for this ball club. And, and I'm glad to see him thrive, but it would just be nice to have that depth. And then, you know, for all the talk we had about the linebacking core and how awful they are and how we shouldn't have got rid of Blake Martinez, I guess the writing was on the wall and we didn't see it because he just retired. <laughs> so he didn't play a ton of games for the Raiders. I guess that knee injury was worse than we uh, thought coming back from that. Um, but I think the first year after an ACL injury, I mean, look at what happened with Saquon. Like he wasn't the same explosive back in 21 as he was before that ACL injury. So I would think maybe it was a bit premature on Blake's part, but you know, he, he kind of, uh, he felt like that was enough. So can you imagine if we kept him and he, we missed a bunch of games and then he played in games and was not the same kind of type of player. And then he retires like that. Just what does that do in terms of the flow of, the team, the game, and 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 the system, you know, so I it looks like that was the right move over uh through and through. Galladay returns from uh being out, <laughs> and I love. I'm very. I'm I'm not very jealous. I'm I respect. I don't respect. What is the feeling I'm trying to convey? It's not. It's not admirable. It's just like oh well. I I could never do that, but kudos to you for doing that. The fans that were hyping the shit out of Kenny Galladay's return, like he's the difference. He's going to come back a different receiver. This is our wide receiver, number one. He's our guy. He's going to come back and he's going to get like 12 targets a game. He's going to score a touchdown, his first touchdown. He's going to, he's the difference maker. He's the wide receiver one that everyone wanted at the trade deadline or that, you know, whatever. (laughs) He got two targets, one drop, no catches. As if he's going to be this totally different guy. And it's like, no, I think that hip injury, it, it almost is like, gives me, reminds me of the Bo Jackson hip injury, where it's like, he just, he couldn't play football anymore. That was it. He just made the switch to baseball after that. Uh, it was a playoff game against the Bengals in 92, I want to say, 93. After that tackle, after the hip thing, wasn't the same in football. And he went on to continue to play baseball because he could. Not as much contact, but I think you're seeing the same thing with Kenny Galladay. I don't know that he's ever going to be that guy again. I don't think he's ever going to be a hundred catch guy, a thousand yard uh, guy, you know, double digit touchdowns guy. He's just not going to be that. Now I'm still holding out hope. Like I was not of the of the mind. Like the fans that were like, "We get this guy back this week," and it's like I was not excited to get him back. <laughs> I didn't really see how it was going to be this miraculous turnaround 180 where all of a sudden he's getting 12 targets a game and catching six or eight balls and for 80 yards and a touchdown. Like I just, I didn't see that. I I don't think this coaching staff really likes him at all. And I, uh, you know, I've, I've mostly agreed with a lot of their moves. It's hard not to when you win this much, but they are burying him, burying him. I mean, they benched him like, can you think of another wide receiver one in the league that drops a pass, gets two t- targets, one was a little out of his reach, one he straight up dropped and gets benched? I you can't. It doesn't happen often or ever. So I think they're I think they are <laughs> This is my conspiracy brain. It feels like they are just going to torture him out the wazoo because they can't do anything. They've tried to trade him, no one wants to take him. They can't cut him because it's a lot of dead cap. So it's almost like they're trying to get him, uh, what is it called? Not quiet quitting. 
force forcing a resignation. I, there's another term for it that I just come across, and I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened to me at SNY. They were just like, we're just going to make your life a living hell until you quit. And I was like, well, guess what? I ain't quitting. It feels like that's what they're doing with Kenny Galladay. It was like, we're just going to make you as miserable as possible. And maybe you come to us and say, hey, uh, I want out any way possible. I don't care. Don't pay me. I just need to be away from this team, this clubhouse. Like It feels like that's the way things are headed. Now, that's not what I hope. What I hope for is that it feels like, isn't this such a, this would be such a crazy story. Such a great story. The guy has sucked all year. He sucked last year. He's he, and a lot of that wasn't his fault last year and he sucked this year and a lot of that's due to injuries and whatnot, whatever. But wouldn't it be so amazing if it's even just one catch, but it's a clutch catch in a big game where we need a win and he converts on a third and 15 or he scores a touchdown to give us the lead. Like it just feels like that's what we're going towards we're not going to a 12 targets 10 catches six catches five we're not going towards that that's not happening this year but it does feel like he's gonna get like a big important touchdown in a big important game that's gonna help us either make the playoffs or something down the stretch where it's like we get the lead in the division and maybe we don't get the four the five or six seed we get the one seed or the you know the two seed or something like that so just something is gonna it, it, i just feel it in my bones that he's gonna like and it's not gonna be uh it's not gonna be consistent production it's just gonna be we uh feel we like this matchup we're gonna match him up and he's gonna succeed in that one matchup in that one pass and it's that one catch and it's gonna be like that's gonna how he's gonna be remembered by giants fans because <laughs> i don't he doesn't it did, at this point it's like how do you even like how do you look at what he's done and his and what the coaching staff is saying and, and his attitude and behavior and all that how do you think that he has any kind of future with the team he just doesn't. But I do feel like he's he does have that. He hasn't had that one moment that we've pointed to and said, that's his moment, his Giants moment. And I think that's still coming this year because this this season feels magical. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. So it does feel like, wouldn't that be great when he has been down and out the whole year, dropping passes, not being targeted, benched, hurt for him to come out and not have a big game, just have a big catch. And it's like, and then, and I guarantee you when that happens, the crowd is gonna go nar-nar, dude. Like bananas, crazy. Ape, ham. We're gonna go, we're gonna go bonkers. Cause I mean, it's, it's gonna be, it's, it's like all that pent up frustration and hurt and pain and sorrow and whatever is just released in that moment because not only was it great for him, a good good catharsis or whatever, but it was good for the team, good for the club, and it helped them for once. So uh, that's that's my vision for Kenny Holiday. <laughs> it's like, bud, I, I'd love to tell you that things are going to turn around and we're going to feed you the ball and you're going to be happy here, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But I do feel like you do have one cool, great moment that's going to turn, that's going to like either keep the good times rolling or you're going to put us over the edge and, and have us um, get over that, that, that hump, that mysterious hump that we're facing where it's like no one, still no one believes in us. Uh, I mean, seven to 14 on third downs. That's such a, it's, it's still weird to me to see that kind of performance out of our team. Cause we've been so bad on third downs for so long to see us convert half 
14 third downs and we converted seven. That's just like, that feels like I'm in a dream state at this point. Again, we own time of possession, 33 minutes to 26. We were outgained uh, through the air. And a lot of that's like, I don't know who you pin that on really, but a lot of that's like, I don't know. It's kind of crazy to, 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 you know, give up 300 plus yards to Davis Mills. <laughs> Especially when Brandon Cooks is like wants out and they revoked his captaincy. And you you figure like who else do they have on this team that they can throw to? And they have Chris Moore and then they had Nico Collins and they had Jordan Aikens. And it's like, who are these guys? Like didn't Jordan Aikens try out for us? <laughs> like did got cut or something? Like, who is this team? I was concerned about Damian Pierce the most. And, uh, you know, we kept him in check for the most part. He did have that long-ass run for 40-some-odd yards. But I think for the most part, we kept him bottled up and contained. You know, Davis Mills had an 85.3 QB rating. It was sacked four times. So it's good to see us getting some pressure. You know, Danny Dimes, 13-17, 197 yards, two touchdowns, three sacks, a perfect 153.3 rating. And people are like, man, he only threw 17 times. Dude, put any quarterback in that situation where they're only throwing 17 times. I doubt they come out with a 153.3 rating. I'm saying. Um, looking at some of the other stats here, Nico Collins, 10 targets, five catches, 49 yards, and a touch. And uh, there was some talk about him being like a wide receiver one someday. Oh, okay. Okay. And remember how we, we were like pining for OJ Howard? I think there was a large part of the fan base that was pining for OJ Howard and was like, that dude is a nothing in the NFL. <laughs> Um, Barkley with the big day, uh, Darius Slayton, three catches, 95 yards and a touch. I mean, what a turnaround, I guess. What a redemption story. That's another great story in a season full of great stories. Darius Slayton went from trying, uh, trade bait. Like we wanted to trade him to potentially getting cut to taking a pay cut to not playing at all. What healthy scratch. So he's our legitimate number one wide receiver right now. And a, and a difference maker, a, a, a playmaker. You know, I, I just saw a clip on Twitter from Big Blue VCR. You know, he's he's doing Lions week. So he's showing clips from past Giants Lions games. And there were a couple where it's uh, Sims to Baker, Stephen Baker, for like uh, big gains or touchdowns. And there was like something about watching Baker, you know, catch the ball and get in rack up yak that reminded me of Darius Slayton. So if Darius Slayton is that kind of fits that mold, I'm all I'm gonna go with it. Now with Stephen Baker like a number one wide receiver, I mean those Giants teams didn't really have a number one wide receiver. So I mean you know we make a lot of comparisons between Dable's team and Parcells team. There, that's one of them. I think we're just okay with not having a number one wide receiver. It's fine. We just have like two or three wide receivers that all contribute and and make plays when they need to. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins. The new sign, signee off the Bills practice squad, which apparently Bills fans were were butthurt about because uh, Hodgins is a is a pretty good wideout who just couldn't crack the lineup because of the depth there in Buffalo. But at the same time, it's like, isn't Buffalo in the running for Odell Beckham Jr.? Isn't Buffalo usually mentioned as a landing place for top wide receivers? So it's interesting to me that they would bail on Hodgins and he made a, a big impact in this game. Two catches, 41 yards, uh, both for, I think either both for big first downs or at least one for big first down. He had that short kind of underneath concept that got the first down in traffic, tough catch, great throw. And then another one uh, down the seam-ish, uh, which uh, it's just good to see a big body target that gets open and catches the ball. 
Kenny Galladay looking at you. Lawrence Cager with a touchdown catch. <laughs> oh my God. Um, still a little <sighs> underwhelmed by Wandale Robinson. Still underwhelmed there. I don't know. I don't know. I think they try to design plays for him and they don't usually click like we hope, but it's just like, how do we get him in the mix more, dude? What is it? Is it just defenses taking advantage of him? Are they manhandling him because of his uh, size? Like, what? what is it? What is it? How do we get him the ball more? Because it feels like he should be the type of player that you get him the ball and he's able to make guys miss. But so far, we have not. There's only been like one game where we saw like a, a skosh of his potential. On the defensive side of the ball, Leonard Williams had himself a day. Dexter Lawrence had himself a day. Jihad, uh, Jason Pinnock had a day. Dan Belton. Dory Jackson. Dory Jackson. Um, definite pro bowler has to be in consideration for all pro Jalen Smith is one of the funniest guys I've ever watched. <laughs> he just, his energy and his hair, just like him bouncing around, hopping around his hair, going everywhere. He's just like the energizer bunny dude. He's just, he's like Daffy duck. He's just bouncing around everywhere. And he just, I don't know if the, his teammates like it or not. I hope they do because it, it's just, you know, he just seems like he's in it to win it. And he just loves playing the game. And he loves uh, pumping up his teammates, which I which I love. So uh, you know, I'm all for it. It's just it's just funny, like him, he just jumping around, and because no one else is doing it, <laughs> he's just like the only one you see bouncing around, jumping around, and just loving life. Uh, Fabian Moreau, another decent game. Kevon Thibodeau, you know, four combined tackles, not too bad. Um, and Micah McFadden looks like he's getting a. Uh, more of the workload we'll get to that in a second but Slayton and Barkley played 80% of the snaps Wandale 75% of the snaps Cager outsnapped Myrick and Hudson which was interesting Hodgins 62% of the snaps which is pretty incredible and of course uh, Galladay 38% of snaps he just didn't play in the second half um but on the defensive side of the ball <laughs> Micah McFadden 56% of the snaps Tate Crowder two two snaps total so that kind of Tells you, and maybe this is a game by game situation where it's like we feel like McFadden is the best matchup for this particular opponent, but it looks like it's been trending that way going towards McFadden for a couple weeks now, dating back to Seattle. So before the bye week. Um, so I mean, uh, you know, I think Tate Crowder was a great story, Mr. Irrelevant, and made some big plays over his career, but it looks like he's getting he's getting phased out of the game plan for whatever reason. Maybe it's uh pass coverage maybe it's run support i have a feeling it's more about run support because there there have been some clips of mcfadden coming in and plugging up the hole and taking on the fullback and and you know forcing the running back to explore alternative routes if you look at the drives giants drives we had the great opening drive 10 plays 68 yards for a touchdown and then it was punt 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 four straight punts of course, the big series that everyone's talking about was a couple big series, but there was a seven-play drive uh, that went 30 yards, took up three minutes, 33 seconds, and there was an eight-play drive that went 35 yards and took up a five minutes. One of those drives, I forget which, ended when it was fourth and one, and Jack Anderson uh, has a false start, pushes them back, and then Jamie Gillen, who had a pretty awful game from what I saw after I, I got home and watched the first half, because like I watched the second half, and I'm like, I go on Twitter and I'm like, what the hell is everyone complaining about? And then I came home and ended up watching the first half that I recorded. I was like, oh, I mean, we, we did have a ton of opportunities and we just wasted them. And then our punter didn't help things. So, but open up the second half and this is what we do. 
We're not a great first half team. We're a good second half team. Uh, five plays, 75 yard drive, touchdown. That's the Darius Slayton long uh, touchdown, which uh, the throw by Daniel Jones falling backwards, two guys in his face, is able to get the ball to Slayton underneath. Slayton's able to make a guy miss, which is great, and then just outrun everyone. And then a great block by Tanner Hudson down the field. So, Tanner Hudson, you live to see another week. <laughs> Uh, and the very next drive, 12 plays, 74, 74 yards and a touchdown, you know, and that, that was capped off with the Saquon Barkley run. So, um, I love those kind of drives, you know, when we're getting into double digits and taking a lot of time off the clock. That's just a uh, classic Brian Dable, 2022 Giants football three and out. And then, uh, we ended up with that pretty important field goal in the fourth quarter. You know, I, we didn't, we didn't move the ball at all. You know, it was, uh, we didn't really move the ball at all. And I, I kind of, I think that's the drive where Saquon has an opening around the right side and he's running and he's so concerned about not going out of bounds because he did that multiple times against Jacksonville <laughs> that he doesn't go for the first down. It's like the first down's right there. If you get the first down, the game's over. Like put your head down, put your shoulders down, get low and get us that first down, dude. And instead he goes down early in bounds and, um, you know, he's able to run off some clock, but at the same time, it's like, you could end the game right there. If Graham Gano misses that field goal, you know, uh, I think Houston has a chance to tie it. So, but Gano friggin' crushes it from uh, 49 or something like that. Not an easy chip shot. And we go up and, and pretty much ice the game. So Texans started with three, three and outs. Love to see that. Uh, ended up getting a field goal in the first half. And then uh, that uh, long drive for a touchdown. And then followed that with a long drive that ended in the uh, Damian Pierce fumble. Great job, Leo Williams, big cat, and Jalen Smith <laughs> recovering it and like basically humping an offensive lineman in the process. <laughs> and then you had the Dane Belton uh, interception, um, which was also crucial. And then they they got those two field goals late. I mean, huge stand, right? They're on the eight, and we were able to force. Uh, forced them to kick the field goal there, which I think was a huge stand. And then they got that kind of whatever field goal towards the end. So, I mean, defense, you know, I guess they could have played a little bit better. They only gave up 16 points. And uh, maybe, yeah, it could have been more. It could have been closer, more than 20. But they didn't. They forced turnovers. They got pressure. And they, and they you know, locked down when they needed to. So, I'm fine with the win. You know, I, you're almost, I, I, you don't. I'm getting used to the way they win. You know, I think over the first five, six games, it was just like, I'm on edge because I'm like, I this is too close. I don't know what's going to happen. Now I've I've been trained. You know, it's like just like a Pavlovian response. It's like watching that second half. Anytime Houston would come and score, I was like, all right, well, now our offense is going to go out there and put out a long drive, sustained drive and, and respond. And then our defense, uh, you know, there wasn't a ton of worry or concern. Um, for me in that game so another win seven and two eagles lost hell yeah i mean you know you win the games you should right you beat the beatable teams the eagles didn't the eagles are undefeated commander's team they're playing at home prime time taylor haneke backup quarterback even though he probably should be the starting quarterback given his uh success it's not great but it's better than most other quarterbacks they've run out there you know that was a game that the eagles a division game that they needed to take care of business and they didn't so uh you know, we can we can get criticized up and down, left and right of like, oh, well, we're beating bad teams. Well, the Eagles didn't. I mean, and maybe the commanders aren't as bad as we thought. I think they're going to be a thorn in everyone's side 
Cowboys included, us included, uh, down the stretch. Um, and I wouldn't be entirely shocked if we split the series with the Commanders. I mean, I think they're that their defense is looking pretty stout, and Heineke is such a freaking wild card. You don't know what he's going to pull out of his ass. So, um, but seven and two, Eagles are now eight and one. We have a thirty-one percent chance, according to playoff status, of getting that five seed. Uh, season end today, we go to Tampa and play the Bucks, which. Prior to the Germany game, I didn't get I didn't get to watch the Germany game, Bucks versus Seahawks. But my thought is if the Bucks play that game in Seattle, I don't think I don't think they win. Similar to like if the Giants played the Packers in Green Bay, I don't think they would have won. But they played in London, so they had kind of a neutral type feel to it. Both teams were at a disadvantage. And so the Giants took advantage of that. And I think the Bucks did the same with Seahawks. Yeah, man, the Seahawks had to do some traveling, dude. From Seattle to Germany. <laughs> Versus Tampa to Germany, I mean, it's not that great a difference, but I think it's just enough to to throw them off. So um, now, would I rather go to Tampa and play the Bucks, or would I rather go to Seattle and play the Seahawks in the playoffs? And I know I'm thinking way too far ahead right now, and I'm probably jinxing the hell of us. Knock on wood. But <laughs> I kind of think I would rather face the Buccaneers in Tampa. I think they're, they're they don't have a great running game. The passing attack is not what it used to be. Mike Evans is on my fantasy team, and I and I every week I'm so disappointed by his output. <laughs> Just like, dude, oh my god, I can't cut you, can I? Huh? Your keeper? All right. So at this point, it looks like we might have the edge on the five seed versus the Cowboys. The Cowboys lost. What a weekend, you guys! Cowboys lost. Commanders won. Eagles lost. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. Cowboys losing to the Packers in Green Bay, Green Bay in overtime. Love seeing uh, McCarthy lose his crap and throw the headphones on the on the turf. I just love to see it. Love to see it. So have we cracked the code on the Cowboys? And you know, has Green Bay exposed them? That's a that's an ongoing question storyline. Uh, but you know, they're not invincible. They're not unbeatable. You know, as good as they might look against the cow uh, against the Bears or other teams, they didn't look uh, as good against the Packers. I mean, Dak Prescott. You know, people keep trashing Daniel Jones because of the turnovers thing. You can't use that as an ex- you can't use that as reason that he shouldn't be the quarterback anymore. He's just not turning the ball over. There was a graphic that they put up during the game where it was like each year, going year by year, and looking at turnovers, interceptions, and fumbles, interceptions, and fumbles. No quarterback in the league right now has less turnovers than Daniel Jones. And then you watch the Bills Vikings, and you watch someone like Josh Allen, who everyone loves, myself included, throw have back-breaking, crucial turnover after turnover. I'm talking interceptions in the red zone, fumble on your own one-yard line. Like, those cost the Bills the game. Daniel Jones is not costing us any games so far. Again, knock on wood. Dak Prescott throwing in enemy territory, in Packers territory, throwing a crucial interception in the towards the end zone. You know, it's just like Daniel Jones did that week one. I called for his head. He has not done it since. So, got that going for us. Uh, you look at the remaining games. So like if we lose out, all right, we go seven and 10, we're missing the playoffs. If we win one of the next eight, we go eight and nine. We might have a shot at the seven seed. We win two of eight, go nine and eight. We have a 42% chance of getting that final playoff spot. We win three of eight and go 10 and seven, which was my preseason prediction before that, before anything got started, when the schedule came out, I said 10 and seven, we have a 60% chance of getting that six seed. So for me, anything less than 10 and 7 would be a huge disappointment, I think. That and and 
it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not like that would be considered. I don't think anyone would consider that a monumental collapse, considering that no one thought they would be in seven and two right now. So for them to lose, uh, you know, go two and six down the stretch or whatever, you know, I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, well, it's a rebuild year and they don't have X and Y and Z and da da da. But I think the minimum, the floor is 10 and seven at this point, which could get us that six seed. And then, uh, you know, we, we have a, our only shot of really winning the division if the, you know, things stay as they are. I think playoff status gives us a 38% chance of winning the division, getting that one seed if we win seven of our next eight games. <laughs> that's just how that's just how crazy. I mean, they put up a graphic during the game, the Monday night game. Like the NFC East has the highest winning percentage of any division in NFL history at this point, I want to say. Like seven something winning percentage. So and that's what we're dealing with. And that's why the Giants have the toughest remaining schedule. Because they have Five more division games left, two against the Commanders, two against the Eagles, and one against the Cowboys. We have the toughest schedule in the league. Yikes. So this will be, this is where, this is the proving grounds, right? This is where we actually prove to the world that we are a good team and that we're a playoff contender and uh, we can make a run. Or we we prove the haters right and they say, well, see, you were playing an easy schedule in the first half and, uh, you know, you caught some teams off guard. but you don't have what it takes to to be uh, you know considered a threat. So uh, should be a, a wild second half, wild, wild, wild. So power rankings and predictions. Let's take a look at the ESPN Football Power Index. It's my first time looking at it. I didn't even know this freaking thing existed. I don't really pay much mind to ESPN these days, unless it's like Monday Night Football. Um, the Giants. The so the Football Power Index measures a team's true strength on net point scale, expected point margin versus average opponent on neutral field. The Giants are. I I decided to take a screenshot that only has the top sixteen teams, right? Because I figure that's above average, right? FBI. Giants nowhere to be found. <laughs> that's the Chiefs. Bills, Eagles, Ravens, Cowboys, Bengals, Niners, Dolphins, Bucks, Vikings, Jets, Jags, Browns, Raiders, Patriots, Cardinals. That's your one through 16 for the FBI. And those last three teams, I mean, the Raiders, dude, and the Cardinals and the Jags. Something's off with this FBI. I got to say that. When you have the Jags, the Raiders, and the Cardinals above the Giants, woof. Um, I mean, the Raiders did have a bunch of close games. I think they had a handful of games that were once lost by one score or less um jaguars have played most of their opponents fairly toughly and uh have had a bunch of really tough opponents eagles you know buccaneers is a little is a little surprising that they're that high we beat the goddamn ravens does that mean anything i guess not so that's kind of a bummer in terms of projections from espn uh it looks like the, they have the chiefs vikings and eagles at 99.9 percent .9 chance to make the playoffs cowboys at 97.9 Giants at 82%. Woof. They have us going, uh, yeah, about 10 and 7. So I'm okay with 10 and 7. 10 and 7 to me should be a playoff seed. According to this, if you go by these projections, Vikings, it would be Eagles 1, Vikings 2. I guess Cowboys would be the 5. Then you would have Niners 3, Bucks 4, Giants 6, Seahawks 7. In which case we would face the we would go to San Francisco and face the Niners. That would be an interesting matchup. I wouldn't mind to see that little little freaking revenge. 
because we stink in the playoffs against San Francisco in San Francisco, taking away the NFC Championship game in 90. We've just been, have been brutalized there. If we look at 538's predictions and whatnot, uh, they have the Vikings and Chiefs, Eagles, all at 99% or more to make the playoffs. They have uh, the Chiefs as the favorite to win the Super Bowl. The Giants have a 76% chance, even worse chance of making the playoffs and only a 2% chance of winning the Super Bowl. So yeah, I mean, we're behind the Eagles and Cowboys. They have the Eagles and Cowboys way up top. I don't know, dude. I, I you know, I mean, we beat the Ravens and the Titans and it's like, it doesn't matter, I guess. It doesn't matter because it's the AFC, I guess. Whatever. All right. So let's take a, let's take a look at the Lions upcoming Lions game, the preview. Um, last five matchups, we, we lost in 2019. That was, uh, that was a bet. That was a bad loss. That was a tough loss because it looked like, that's when, for me, it looked like the Daniel Jones to Darius Slayton connection was on point. I think they had two touchdowns that game to each other. So that was a hard loss to, to stomach. I do not remember the 2017 loss. Um, it was in September 2017. We lost 24 to 10. I just do not remember that. I, I, I tend not to remember anything about the 2017 season, which is probably a good thing. 2016, we did win on our home turf. 17-6. Uh, that was in December. That was a, a pretty huge win. I think Odell had a touchdown in that game. 2014, we got smoked. I do remember that game and being severely disappointed because it's a September game. Anytime you get blown up in a September game, it's like, ugh, this season's going to be a long one, isn't it? And then in uh, December of 2013, we won 23-20. Would you believe me if I said the Lions lead the all-time series 24-21-1? I, I would not have thought that. Very, definitely surprised. Um Goff having a pretty decent year, over tw almost 2,300 yards passing with 15 touchdowns. Amon Ra, Ra St. Brown almost has 50 catches, 518 yards, and three touchdowns. Jamal Williams has uh, the leading rusher with 600-plus yards and nine touchdowns. Our leading receiver is still not Darius Slayton. If you're going by receptions, Darius Slayton is still not our leading receiver. <laughs> it's Richie James still with 20. <laughs> but I think Slayton has more yards. He has more yards and... Uh, two touchdowns which is uh i think it's just the start of something great i think slayton's gonna go on a pretty good consistent run um although he has a tendency he can just disappear in some games which really is is unfortunate the lions are one in three on the road and five and four against the spread and i think right now the spread or it was yesterday the giants are favored by three and a half or something like that we do not score a lot of points we don't give up a lot of points we're ninth in scoring defense, allowing less than 20 points a game. Meanwhile, Lions are dead last. 32nd in the league in points allowed per game. But they are ninth in points scored per game. So, and I, I, I think I've seen this from a lot of the talking heads, is that we don't want to play that kind of game where there are a lot of points being scored. Because that is dangerous territory. Because I don't know that we can score a lot of points. <laughs> Whereas Detroit has proven that they can, they can, they can compete in shootouts. So I think we want to avoid the shootout if possible. We're plus four in the takeaway differential, which places a sixth in the league. We're also uh, third in the league in rushing yards gained in a game on offense. And uh, surprisingly, the Lions are 11th. They're ninth in passing yards per game. We're 29th in passing yards per game. We just don't throw the ball for a lot of yards. Again, efficiency. Quality, not quantity. And then uh, our defense does give up a lot of yards. You know, we're 17th and 24th in terms of yards per game on passing and rushing. But, I mean, the Lions defense is pretty brutal. 27th in passing yards allowed per game. 31st in rushing yards per game. So, 
if there were ever an opportunity for the offense to come alive and put up some points, this is the game. You know, they shut down the run, we can pass. They shut down the pass, we can run. It just it seems like we we're, we're going to be able to um, to move the ball. So, is a trap game. This is another trap game. I mean, three of the past four games have been trap games: Jags, Texans, and now the Lions. And um, this will be a, a huge test. Because uh, I think a lot of people are looking past the Lions and looking towards that Cowboys game on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, I, I have a pretty strong feeling that Brian Dable is not going to allow that to happen. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we come out and we don't look, we look flat in the first half. <laughs> and maybe we get down in the first half, but that's just what we do, baby. We come out slow, but we finish strong. So I, I would expect pretty much the same in this game where it's like, you know, maybe we are down by three or even seven at the, at the end of the first half. And, you know, you got a couple of boos trickling in as the, as the team runs off into the locker room. But I fully expect the, you know, us to take advantage of halftime, make some adjustments, come out and put together a drive, a couple of drives to start the second half and score. And then I, I, I really think that Martindale is going to give Goff everything that, He's a he's gonna give him a run for his money. He's gonna he's gonna keep golf on his toes. Um, I don't think this is. I haven't seen a ton of games for the Lions this year, but I would think that he's not the same old Jared Goff. That he's making better throws. I mean, you know, they're without T.J. Hawkinson, who they traded away. So I think that's great for us. That could have been a real thorn in our side because uh, we don't historically don't do well against tight ends. So it's good that we don't have to deal with him. And uh. So, you know, and Dan Campbell's got them fighting. I mean, I, 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 at the sports bar I was at, I was watching, I had an eye on the Bears Lions game and the and Lions were down by 14, 17 points, something like that at one point. And then they stormed back, you know, getting uh, crucial turnovers. And uh, so they could very easily be four and five. They're three and six. They could be four and five. Um, you know, their uh, SRS, which I forget what that means from pro football reference, but it's, they're 20th of 32. So this is, even though their defense, is horrid, you know, I think that they, they still uh, are competitive. And so I feel like it's going to be like it has been in these trap games where we keep the other team in the game and we're not really necessarily putting them away. It would be nice for this to be the game where we put them away and win by double digits. That would be nice. <laughs> Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. I think, you know, the line says it all. I think it's going to come down, you know, I think, we'll pull out the win but it'll be it'll come down to that last drive it'll come down to the fourth quarter um but i think this team has the mindset and the mentality to persevere you know that grittiness you know i don't i think with when you have a fully healthy dexter lawrence and leonard williams caving the pocket in the middle when you have uh a dory jackson and even Fabian Moreau and that's secondary stepping up in xavier mckinney's absence and making big plays and making it tough on the quarterback. Um, I think that, you know, we're riding this defense. We're ride or die with this defense. This defense is is either going to win us games or lose us games. It's up to the defense, really. And the offense is just like, let's just take advantage of our opportunities. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be another big game for Barkley. There is some talk, though, that they're not going to feed Barkley as much. So even though Detroit has a putrid rush defense, that there's a sentiment that maybe we should not overwork Barkley because we are, it will be a short turnaround with Thanksgiving, you know, that Thursday game against Dallas. So maybe we shouldn't, you know, <laughs> he shouldn't tote the rock 30 plus <laughs> times a game. You know, let's get that down to like 20 and then 
let's lean more on on Matt Breida, um, which uh, you know is great in theory, but then it's like someone else has to step up. I don't know that Breida, you know, I haven't been, you know, I don't think I've been really blown away by Breida so far. I did like the signing. I don't hate the signing thus far in the season. I'd like to see a little bit more, you know, to be honest, I was, you know, I'd like to see them try and uh, cater to her, to his uh, style of play a little bit more and design some plays for him more often, get him more involved. I like when him and Barkley are on the field at the same time. I like that setup. Get him more involved in the passing game because he is a, a pass catching back. So I think maybe he might could be an X factor in this game. Would love to see Slayton make big plays like he always does. Um, Juan Dale, I think this is a great opportunity for him to make his presence felt because I feel like he's uh, been somewhat MIA. And you know maybe Lawrence Cager is the guy at tight end. <laughs> that's so weird to say. I miss. I mean, we miss Bellinger. I mean, that's that's fairly clear. Bellinger was out. He's got that eye injury. I don't know when he's expected to return, but um, he's been sorely missed, which is interesting to say because like the numbers don't jump out at you, but it's just that consistency of like he's gonna get you a couple grabs, important first down, some key blocks. Like it's the little things with with Daniel Bellinger that uh, we we have missed to a certain degree. And this is the Kenny Galladay revenge game. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if it, if there were ever a time for Kenny Galladay to have one good game this season, I wouldn't hate it if it was this one. <laughs> you know, get that much needed W and go eight and two into the into Thanksgiving. That would be super duper. Thanks for coming. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Final score prediction. I would. I. I mean, twenty four. Yeah, twenty four twenty. You know, I think uh twenty three seventeen twenty one seventeen I think in that range if we if the if the final score is in the mid to high twenties, I don't know that we're winning. I don't know that we're winning, you know I think uh we want to avoid the the shootout as much as possible, which is uh, you know it's been tough. I mean, you look at the lion schedule let's pull it up real quick It looks like they're playing on Thanksgiving too duh Neil, it's Detroit idiot so uh they have a short week turnaround as well you know opening day they gave the eagles everything they had and they almost pulled out a win so they lose by three to the eagles that's something you know they beat the commanders lose the vikings by four i think they were actually up in that game and minnesota came back they lose to the seahawks by three again that was a huge huge explosion of points 48 45 they get shut out by the patriots in new england that Feels like it was a little bit of a uh, anomaly, but then they got smoked by the Cowboys in Dallas. Big time shootout against the Dolphins, 31-27 loss. Beat the Packers 15-9, beat the Bears 31-30. So they have to feel, they have to, despite their record, three and six, they should be four and five. I th they have to be feeling pretty good about themselves heading into, into the Meadowlands. So they're riding high. They got a lot of momentum. You know, uh, Giants could catch the Giants looking ahead to Dallas. But I, I, to me, it's like, I just don't see that this team doing that. I don't see them looking ahead. I don't think this coaching staff is going to allow that to happen. Any, there's no mention of the D word or the C word. It's all the L word this, this week. You can't be talking about or thinking about Dallas, the Cowboys at all this week. They don't exist. The only team that exists is the, the Detroit Lions. So we'll see. I think uh, the Lions are going are gonna to give them hell in that first half. But then I think the Giants are able to calibrate, recalibrate, and uh, pull out the win. So, But, um, yeah, I, I, I feel good. A little worried. Hard not to be. 
because uh, every game has been so close and there's been, you know, there's plenty of opportunities in each game where it could have gone either way, depending on the ball where the ball bounces. So, uh, but damn, I really hope, I really hope we stick it to them. This will be a game where it would be nice to just roll over this team. You know, if we put on a show and really blow them out, that would do wonders, I think, for us, you know, as a team and to get some recognition around the league. But odds are probably not. <laughs> All right. So that's the Giants. 